Welcome to Preach Care, Preach with Rashad. We are the prophets here in another episode, another sermon. Um, you know, I'm on the road, Rashad, so, you know, uh, bear with me. I'm in Maryland, man. It's been snowing. And you know me. I'm, we're from Georgia. We don't <laughs> we don't know what snow is. Hey, we might get it, what, once every couple of years, you know, unless we up in, like, the Atlanta area where the mountains that you might get a little bit more. But, yeah, but you got to take your... Your big boy jacket, man. You got to find you a Burlington coat factory or something, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it was like 25, 30 degrees, something of that nature, man. But uh, I'm getting used to it. Not too bad. I just came up here uh, what two, three days ago. So we'll see. We'll see if I if I like this weather or not. Um, so we got a good show for y'all. We got the the previews of the division round. We 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 will talk about uh, the new hirings. Um. And then also we got we got first we got to talk about man the, I think our our theory and our philosophy of what we do as an NBA GM or NBA owner NBA coach. We always say that wings win rings, LeBron James, um, Magic is six nine and he played point guard but come on now, Larry Bird, Kobe Bryant, you know Michael Jordan, list goes on. Kevin and, Durant, Kawhi Leonard. Right, yeah, yeah. Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard. You go see, you see Paul George, Luca. You see, yeah. So it, it, the list goes on, and wings win rings for a reason, and that's why we don't rely on small guards. Even though you know, I'm still kind of mad at Atlanta for taking, you know, taking Luca. I mean, taking Trey Young over Luca, uh, even though he's a great player right now. But also on the big man side, Anthony Davis banged up again, as great as he is, hurt again. And Joel Embiid, first of all, did you see the injury? Man. Yeah, both of them, man. Like, they are two of the most talented guys in the league, but they are also two of the more accident-slash-injury-prone guys we've ever seen. Like, AD gets nicked up at some point every year, and we know about Joel's history from, you know, college, had to sit out the year, you know, coming into the pros, so it's just the nature of the beast when you're dealing with big guys, you know, Shaq dealt with stuff with his, uh, with his feet and stuff like that. I think the only big guy who was always perennially healthy were, you know, Duncan and Hakeem, and even towards the end, Duncan got where his, his leg was always stiff, but he was still, you know, he was still agile and still a good piece, but man, AD, I'm just glad he's not hurt, because that could have been bad, like, that could have been a tailbone, that could have been his hip. That could have been a whole lot of things. So I'm just, I'm glad AD wasn't a major injury. And I think he's the defensive player of the year at this point right now, if I was voting today. So I'm just glad he, he could steal some MVP votes as well. So I'm just glad it wasn't anything major because that would have really upset the apple cart for the Lakers as far as like their number one seed. And they'd have to start reshuffling some lineups and stuff like that. Uh, reshuffling lineups, making a trade or two just to, just to help from the from the injury, and NB his his side. I mean, this is this is why they 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 got Al Horford. I feel like this was an insurance policy because they knew they both can play together. And if NB is hurt, which he tends to be a lot, okay. Well, Al Horford slides to the five. Tobias back to where he's more comfortable at the four, and we just let Ben Simmons run the show. So I don't. It's go, it's, it's going to be uh, weird to see how they handle this. Because, you know, the Sixers question mark has always been depth. That's been the issue for a while and also shooting. So, uh, I'm not saying losing NB, you know, your shooting goes down. But depth purposes, you know, you're losing a superstar and, and you know, top 10 players. So, I, I wonder how, how can they bounce back because, you know, it, it is it is a long season. And, yes, it's only a finger. It's not like it's a knee or an ACL or something like that. But it, it's just another injury that just, that just keep mounting up. Yeah, and it's really something that they don't need right now because the East has been, I don't want to say better than expected. I think coming into the year, we all kind of thought it would be two to four teams that would be, you know, kind of right there. 
and then you kind of had to see how some other things shook out. You know, I think we all thought like, okay, the books would be just just based on Giannis alone, they would be one of the leading contenders in a regular season. And then I think we all kind of thought Philly with adding Horford, keeping Tobias, Ben, Ben and Joel. I thought I think we all kind of thought those would be like the the top of the East. But I know we were high on the Pacers, and we were saying like, you know, maybe the Celtics can get a big, they'll be a contender, and. Uh, we said the Raptors wouldn't go anywhere, but they wouldn't be what they were last year. And, of course, the Heat have came out of nowhere. So, Philly, they kind of need Joel back because right now they're sitting at fifth in the East. So, you know, you want to kind of – I I thought preseason they would wind up in like the four or five seed and maybe play book or something like that. But I, I don't think you want to you, – you might not want to be in that spot with your, with your best guys being banged up because <laughs> – you might even get out the first round against Toronto if playoffs start today because Toronto still has a solid team as well. So, you know, you just got to look out for – you got to hope he recovers. Like you said, just a fingers, not major, major to the hand, but you still got to just hope he comes back comfortable and can still shoot the ball pretty good because he's more of the point guard even though he's a bigger guy and Ben is more of the post guy because he's going to shoot the ball. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, this kind of put a damper on, on me a little bit and I'll tell you why. So January 25th, I'm headed to see the Lakers and the Sixers. Um, I, I did use the promo code 12-ounce sports on Seat Giant. And yes, I did get a discount. Uh, you know, follow suit and you can head to SeatGiant.com. In a promo code 12-ounce sports on, on tickets, sporting events, concerts, anything like that. And you can't go wrong with Seat Giant. And I used it. And I was like, oh man, this is a great game to go to. NB, Ben Simmons, Horford, Davis, LeBron. And probably won't see Embiid. And I just got to hope Davis make it there. Yeah, man. Half of the guys you're going to see, they starting to fall off like flies, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah so I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm still going to enjoy myself. Of course, uh, you know, one of my biggest regrets as as a Lakers fan growing up is that I, I never got to see Kobe Bryant live. So, you know, as a, you know, since I got older, I told myself, man, I'm going to see games. Uh, I don't care where they at. I'm going. I'm, I'm going to find my way. Um, you know, we saw Vince Carter get what? What twenty thousand points? Um, twenty five thousand. Twenty five thousand. Uh, we saw. Uh, I went to Kirk Cousins' first ever Minnesota Vikings game. Um, trying try to think of another moment and whatever it was, but so now I want to see it. Make sure I see LeBron James live before he go. I, I seen Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook together. Okay, see, uh, you know, so so you know, the list goes on. So I I definitely want to see this game and uh, hopefully you know hopefully just because it's a finger, maybe he can come back a little quicker. I I, I doubt after what two weeks he will play. But Davis, that's that's some guy I, I really want to see live, um, especially being a Kentucky fan. So now he's on the Lakers too. So it's kind of a double whammy. So for me, yeah, they still have the White, still have Javale, so they won't lose a lot. But at the same time, this is a top five player in the game, so you're you're losing something. But you know, you can kind of hold it together, you know, with LeBron, with Rondo, and you still got two bigs. But I still think the Lakers are a piece away. But the way their cap situation is set up, I'm not sure who they can even make a trade for. Um, I know they were riding, you know, everybody was riding that whole Eagle Dollar bit of buyout candidate thing early. I'm still not in favor of them doing that. So I'm not really sure what kind of move they could make. I know there were rumors about Kyle Kuzma's up for trade. Like he's, they're not shopping him, but hey, you know, if someone, if, yeah, if someone to come up, he would. He would be out the door pretty much, but I'm not sure what they can get for him because he only makes like two million. So I'm not sure what they can really get for him. They would have to package that with something like KCP, but would they even send him out because he's a a rich Paul guy? So they just brought on Avery Bradley, so I'm not sure they would ship him out. So I'm not really sure what kind of moves they could do. I know they've been playing Caruso a lot, so maybe you could try to package something with KCP and Kuzma, but. What could you really get? Yeah. And I wonder if Davis misses a lot of times, or even these next few games that Davis will miss, I want to see Kyle Kuzma. Like, even, remember, I, I've been a big advocate for uh, for Kyle Kuzma, saying, like, he is a third star. He is, you know, but he had the, the foot injury, so he really didn't have the training camp like, like everyone else has. And right now I feel like he's the like the, he just like the odd man out. He's just scoring, whatever like that. But, uh, we'll see if he can finally get into his groove and you know and be that third star because I think if he can be that third star, then you say you saying Lakers need a piece. Well, he could be the piece that they need. So we'll, I mean, 
I, I'm definitely going to tune in that because, I mean, this this guy can score from all over the court, and him 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 being in play like the four or the three. Uh, just re- really on the wing in general, I, I feel like he's a he could be a mismatch. You know, like a Tobias Harris comes to mind. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody else, like a Siakam, Go, guys like that who you know it's hard to guard them in the half court. So maybe Kyle Kuzma might might show up without Anthony Davis on the floor. Yeah, I'm not sure if it'll happen, but maybe if it, if push came to shove, they could try to get somebody like um, Marcus Morris off the Knicks. I mean, I don't think it'll line up cat wise. Like it'd have to be like a two for one, maybe a pick. Picks I'm throwing in, but only do the Lakers even have any picks now? Yeah, probably so not. Like, <laughs> so it's, it's like they have to do something like that. They kind of get a. I think they need like a more of a, a hybrid three four kind of guy. So when you do run up against the Clippers, or if Michael Porter Jr. You know if he finds his game a little bit more this year, you might have somebody to throw at those guys versus always trying to depend on depend on like Danny or LeBron because Bradley won't be on the floor with, with you at all times, and plus he's a little bit smaller, so. They they probably like a hybrid three four kind of guy to uh, to make a move for if they decide to move off from Kuzma. You're right. So, um, we'll move on to that. Hopefully, I get to see uh, NB, but how highly unlikely. Let's move on to the NFL. The coaching hires, man. Uh, it was two. We, we talked about the last show. It was like, who would be the who would be the next the the next guy, guys to get a job? And before the podcast would come out, two jobs were filled: uh, Carolina Panthers and the New York Giants. So Panthers hired Matt Rule from Baylor. I know we, I think we both have different takes on this. He got a seven-year, sixty-two million dollar deal. Plus, I think the, I think Tepper like bought out um, his contract from the Baylor, so he gave them like I think five to six million dollars. Um, your take on your take on Matt Rule? I didn't really care for it, honestly. You know, just looking at the bowl game they played Georgia, I felt like. Maybe his team just didn't feel his presence. They kind of felt like he kind of had his foot out the door or whatever. So, I mean, regular season, okay, good regular season. But you lost your two biggest – you lost your three biggest games. You lost to Oklahoma twice, and you lost to Georgia in a bowl game. Your team really didn't even show up for So, I kind of felt like the team fed off of him. Like, they know he's getting recruited for NFL jobs. They didn't really seem like they were prepared to win the game, to play the game. So I, I kind of feel like he didn't prepare those guys to where they needed to be for that game. So I just kind of feel like that's going to lead to the NFL. You know, his press conference, I know people were raving about it on Twitter. Some people thought, oh, that was great. Uh, he almost made you want to go play for him and stuff like that. But I didn't get that kind of that kind of feeling. It's just, in my opinion, I don't think he'll look to the hype. Um, I mean, I can't blame him for making an NFL jump. A lot of money. You got to owner and GM looking to make a splash. They made a splash. But the Panthers just have so many questions right now. Unstable QB situation. They need an offensive line. The division is tough. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Breeze and the Saints or even Teddy and the Saints. Uh, Matt Ryan is still there. Um, Bruce Arians, he's always been a good coach, so they're going to always be a tough team. Let's see what happens with Jameis or do they go get a QB. So, tough division. You still got to a few holes on defense, so I just feel like the Panthers, they're, they're in a tough situation, but at least he has the security of a long-term contract to kind of, uh, you know, to kind of on his side where he can feel like I don't have to be in a rush to win because at his two college stops, he really didn't win until he got to his third year at both both stops. So at least now he knows, but for the pro level, it's going to be the same thing. He can take his time, build a team how he wants to, uh, maybe they trade up in the draft. They're at what, like seven, eight. Maybe they try to go up to three, where the Lions are, and see if they can get to two before a Miami does something like that. Then you kind of have a young QB with young McCaffrey, young DJ Moore, young Samuel, and on a rookie deal, then you can go splurge in free agency, and you can maybe jump to the top of that division. Then, but just right now, I don't really like like the hire. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually a fan of Matt Rule. I. First of all, you know, his press conference was, you know, really, really motivational. I mean, you know, what, what keep pounding actually means, stuff like that. So, you know, for, for guys in the locker room to, to see a guy that they can, they can believe in, you know, that's, that's, that's really good. I think Ron Rivera wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a bad guy either. So it's not like, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying he better than that. But R- Rule is to me, he, he is that team builder. He is that, 
that leader that you, you know that you asked for. And I think what's most important is is going to be his staff because I don't think Rule will. I don't think Rule is the type of guy to call plays. Like I don't think he will call the off- offense or call the defense. But I think he's going to have his hand in everything, if that makes sense. Um, and I, yes, you had you you, uh, you got the same questions I have because the quarterback situation, um, the defense still needs to you know get get back right to where they were. And like you said, the O line has been spotty, and you are in a tough division. Um, but I am a believer that the Saints might move on for Drew Brees. I, I'm also I also know that Bucks will bring back Jameis for at least one season. So with that right there, if Drew Brees walks. Um and 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 if Jameis comes back, you can you can compete for that second, you know, best QB. If 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 depends on who you, you know who you bring in or, or if you sign somebody like an Andy Dalton or something, you know, whatever the moves will, will be, we'll talk about that in the in the off season. But at Temple and at Baylor, he, he they were they were terrible his first season, got became average his second season, and then boom, they blossomed. You mentioned the uh, the Oklahoma two losses and. I think it's hard to I think it's hard to recruit in the Big Twelve when you where you're in the same same state as Texas and Oklahoma. Like no matter no matter what the prestigious is, though, no matter how bad Texas is, they they will always get some recruits because they are Texas. Same thing for uh, Oklahoma. I, I feel like if I I mean if I was a recruit, same playing the same position and you offer and you say that I'm gonna get the same amount of playing time, I'm gonna choose Oklahoma over Baylor, and that's just because of of of, of what they stand for, you know, of of what they've been. So. Um, Competing in that, in that, competing in that, I think that's pretty impressive, and I think he do the same thing for Carolina. I think even even after the you know first year or two, I think they they can at least be eight and eight if anything, and then maybe you had your years where you're eleven and five, make the playoffs, and go back to nine and seven, and oh, you have a good season twelve and four. I think they're going to be around around that range. I don't think they're going to be a great team every single year, but depending on circumstances, they can find themselves winning the division. Or second or third place, I, I think this. After, I think once he gets his foot in the door, I, I don't think they they will fall into to that fourth place category. Yeah, that's that's a good thing at least because in this division, um, I think what the last decade or at least dozen years or so, outside the Saints winning it the last three years, normally division did turn over a lot. Like whoever won it last year went win it the next year. So um, maybe depending upon what happens, depending upon whether. Breeze stays, Breeze goes, Teddy stays, Teddy goes. They'll, they'll determine how good the Saints are for short term and long term. Right. So that so that that could lead to maybe the Panthers being competitive, but just based upon what, what we've seen from him in college and what's on Carolina right now, like just knowing the question that they do have, I'm not a fan of the hire. But um, like I said, we'll see how the offseason plays out for him, draft wise. Uh, QB wise, because we know Allen and Greer aren't the answer. We gotta still see how Cam comes back from the surgery. Does he look good, or do they feel like let's go ahead and jump out there now and try to get a QB? So, few things to figure out. But right now, I'm just not big on the hire. But that could change over time. Now, I will say this before we move on. If 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 this scenario plays out, Jameis comes back, Drew Brees stays, which means Teddy go, and of course Matt Ryan's there, and they can somehow. Have the ammo to go up from seven to three, or I mean, uh, I'm sorry, eight to three. Then you might find you might find. Oh, no, I'm right, seven. It is seven. Then you might find themselves like for the long term being the best team in the division because if they can go up and get a tour, and let's say tour is what they what he, what he says he is as far as you know, a, a, a game changing quarterback. Drew Brees got to retire, and now they let go Teddy. Matt Ryan got to go at some point. He's he's getting up there. And then we all know Jameis, and we like you, see, you mentioned Bruce Arians, and what about Bruce Arians? He's going to at least go. He at least going to go seven and nine, eight and eight. With it doesn't matter what what happens. Jameis Winston out here throwing touchdowns to the other team multiple, multiple, multiple times, and they still win games. So you know, I think it was seven and nine this year. So, um, and that's what Jameis playing sporadically, sporadically good and bad at a different times. So, if they can find find a way that that Breeze stay. Ryan stay and, and Jameis stay, then, hey, if you get a tour or you, you have that young quarterback at, at some point, you might have the best quarterback in the division. That's just a scenario that may play out. Now, I will go ahead and give my disclaimer. If Carolina goes to get tour, all right, the high is great, 
Everything gonna work out then, cause Tua would have been the number one draft prospect this year if not for getting hurt. Cause like, like this is what everybody was saying coming to the year, tank for Tua. Right. So you know he would have been the top pick over Burrow, no matter what. It was tank for Tua, so, tank for Tua, then bomb for Burrow. So if if Carolina manages to move up and get Tua, just his skill set alone with those weapons, man, you just got to find you a, a little old line and you'll be good because Tua with those weapons, that'll be that'll be just a pro-style Alabama. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm more interested to see who he brings in as a staff, uh, OC and D.C. Let's, let's see. I mean, it, I haven't seen any rumors about about who's going to go his way, so we'll see. Um, in the other NFC East, you know, this is the last coaching hire for them. You know, the Redskins got Ron Rivera. And the Dallas Cowboys got Mike McCarthy. We talked about them two already. Joe Judge, special teams coordinator slash receivers coach from the New England Patriots. Now, when I, I, they, were, they were in the rule, in the race for, uh, for Matt Rule and, you know, ended up losing. I think they were also talking to Ravens defensive coordinator, uh, coordinator. And I think he was going to be the guy for the job until they decided, hey, let's go Joe Judge. Let's get a, a, a Nick Saban and a Bill Belichick guy in, in here. Um, in his With Saban and with Bill Belichick, he has five championships. That, that is three Super Bowls and two champion, two uh, national championships. Um, I think the most important thing is how how he runs his team. I think him and Matt Rule are in the same boat. Can they be – well, you know, is John Harbaugh the outlier – of like special team coordinators where, you know, you, you didn't control a, you didn't control a team, you know, or coordinate, you know, offense or defense, but you you run special teams and now you became became leader of men, and from the press conference, what I've seen and, and things I've heard about him, it seems like he him and John Harbaugh can be in the same boat. Now I would I would attest to this, John Harbaugh's staff, if you go look at his staff on his first season, my gosh, the the talent of coaching that he had, um, so. For Joe Judge, can he bring that type of you know type of experience to his to his team? So far, I've I've heard rumors of uh, Fred Kitchens and Jason Garrett as the OC, and as the, and for the DC Brett Bellamy, that's the defensive line coach for the Patriots, and I think he was a former what, Arkansas coach in college, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he decided to keep the special teams coach. So, your thoughts on Joe Judge? I know it's kind of it was kind of a shocking one because I didn't know he was a name. So. Um, your thoughts on Joe Judge? Well, first of all, I thought I was watching the wrong channel. <laughs> I saw Joe Judge. I'm like, Judge Joe Brown? Like, something wrong with him? Like, <laughs> Are you funny? <laughs> like, what am I, like, what am I looking at? Am I watching the wrong channel? Like, is this a, a false alert or something? Like, what's going on? I'm thinking, like, they got the words mixed up. I know Judge Joe Brown. I don't know no Joe Judge. <laughs> but, nevertheless, man, they must have saw something that we don't get a chance to see behind the scenes as far as, like, how well did they interview? Did he impress? What scheme does he plan on bringing in? How good is he as a leader of men? He must have impressed behind the scenes. So, like you said, maybe Harbaugh's the outlier, but I feel like if this guy's been with Belichick and Saban, and granted, a lot of times their assistants don't really go on to do a lot of great things, whatever. But if they swear by him, he may have some cachet. And, of course, with the right staff, he could be a good hire and he could be the guy that takes the Giants to the next level. I thought the Giants should have went a splashy route. Well, I don't want to say splashy, but just kind of a, a name where you kind of feel like, okay, this guy can work in the New York media. He'll know how to answer questions. And, no, this is the biggest media market in the world, so – You'll know how to step to the podium, answer questions, address certain things. And I thought their last two coaches, Shermer and um, Matthew, just didn't do that with how they always handle the, the Eli stuff or right. uh, what, what's going on with player injuries or why we're losing so many games. I always feel like they didn't really own the podium. Like a, a Mike Tomlin owns the podium, or even though he doesn't give you much info, Bill Belichick owns the podium. So I thought the Giants needed someone of that ilk. But nevertheless, they got Joe Judge. They got, I would say, their second choice. So it's always good to get at least one of your top two choices. And for his staff, I know it probably won't happen. But 
I would go a complete head coach route. I go get if they were to take the job, but I doubt even gets offered to him. I would just try to reach out to Marvin Lewis to be my DC and Hugh Jackson to be my OC. Just so at least then you got two former head coaches in the room on both sides of the ball to help you. Yeah, that could that could work as well. Um, like I know people hear the name Freddie Kitchens and be like, "Oh no, he can't be no he can't be no offensive coordinator." Well, he actually is a good offensive coordinator. He just can't be no no head coach. Um, so, but 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 I I don't think Freddie Kitchens is a bad move. I don't even think Jason Garrett's a bad move. But when you talk about John Harbaugh and what he had when his first season, he had Rex Ryan, defensive coordinator. He had Cam Cameron, who was eventually the Miami, well, I think he was the Miami Dolphins coach for I don't, I don't know how many years, probably probably very, very few. But Hugh Jackson was on that staff. Um, Chuck Pagano, who was the head coach later on, was on that staff. So, like, he had a lot of guys. And I, and I feel like that's the the way you're talking about. that. That's that's the way to become, you know, ha- and have that success. Now, Joe Judge did, he did have a good, you know, a good press conference. And I, and when he was talking, I believed him. You know, what, what Bill Belichick taught him was like, how do we, what guys we got, how can we coach them up to, you know, provide the results that we need. And, you know, watching him, I was like, man, you know what? I, I wouldn't mind playing for this guy either. So it, maybe, maybe I'm falling for it, but, you know, it, like you say, it's all matter about the about the staff. I would like to see Marvin Lewis, and I would like to see Hugh Jackson there. I think I think um, like I said, I wasn't mad about Freddie Kitchens either. Whatever it is, we have to do what's right for Daniel Jones because you, you get the offensive line, and Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Golden Tate, Shepard, Slayton, man, this Evan Ingram, this team could be something special. And we talked about the NFC East of how how really how wide open it was, and that's why we. You know, if y'all go to preachcarepreach.com, you can see our article with me and Rashad where we we, we ranked the, the Giants job as our second job because because of the division, because of the weapons that, that, that you have and how easy it is to turn around. Um I think I think it's I think it's it's really it's really one thing I wish can happen. I don't I don't know I know it won't, but if they didn't have the receivers, imagine imagine if they had like so they got Joe Judge and then they drafted uh Jerry Judy. I think that'll just be uh the name the names just fit so perfectly. Oh yeah, I mean, and it's still possible that they do just because, you know, they need O line. They need to start kind of retooling that. O line, D line, linebacker. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, you got to think about okay, Slayton had a good year, but you got Shepard, who he might be one concussion away from being out of the league for good. Ingram can't be healthy. <laughs> yeah, Ingram can't stay healthy. Like we gonna go with that tape. He's not an over the top big guy, so you know Judy could still be in play for them come draft time. Yeah, I, I think if for right now in my mock, I had them getting a getting um, Willis from Alabama. So still, still in the same team, and you, you know Joe Judge, he he will draft an Alabama player. I, I just feel I feel like that's <laughs> that's what that's what's gonna happen. So, uh, but yeah, he a top draft pick. You got top top seven in cap space. You know. All it, all that matters is the staff and and can you put the right pieces together? I think this I think the Giants can I think the Giants can be right back, man. I I, I don't know why I had this strange feeling, but I feel like I feel like the NFC East, you know, they've been the worst division. But these three hires that they made so far this offseason, I think they were like I I want to say the greatest thing in the world, but they they weren't too bad. Yeah, as of today, if I had to go ahead and rank everything down, like my little theory of. If you have a top two QB and a top two coach in your division and your X factor is your defense, well, if you have those, you can win the division or at least make the playoffs. The Cowboys are number one right now. As of today, January 9th, the Cowboys are number one. They have the most accomplished coach, and you can argue Dak or Wentz as the best QB. So either way, you got the number one coach and the num- one of the top two QBs. So I think the Cowboys are for sure going to probably win the division once they lock Dak up in the contract, get Cooper to stay you got everything else, so I think they'll they'll be a lock. And then Wentz, will he stay healthy next year? What kind of receiving core are they gonna put around him next year? And then Giants got their cap money. If they gonna spend pretty good, and Daniel Jones has that great second year, like some other guys have had, it could be the Giants. So Giants Eagles, that's gonna be the the tiebreaker right there because I don't think. Unless Haskins make that joke. <laughs> so, like, everybody's going to be in play for them at that second spot, I think, because Rivera's a good coach. He'll coach him up. But I think Cowboys are number one for sure. 
Yeah, hey, don't be surprised if I make Giants my surprise team for next season. So, hey, hey don't you be surprised? <laughs> it ain't mine, bro. Because, hey, I'm like, that, oh, that, that cap space talks, man. If they can, if they get a good draft pick or they hit on some picks, spend the cap money right, they'll be up, man. Right, I believe. Uh, I believe in Joe Judge and Matt Rule, so we'll we'll, we'll see. Is one one job open? And that's the Cleveland Browns. We'll see what, what they get into uh, next in the next couple of days. I think I think by our next show they should have a, they should have a coach. So we'll we'll, de- we'll definitely discuss them. Yeah, um, I wonder if they're gonna get get McDaniel's because like I feel like that's probably where they're leaning, just because he's in love with Baker. Um, so they may lean McDaniel's, but it wouldn't surprise me if the fancy got it either. Now let's move on. To, yeah, I think I think even uh even with I can't even say his last name Robert from defense coordinator for the Four Niners. <laughs> he he oh, he yeah, also he also oh, a four oh, too. Oh, big Robert Sala. Sala, that's how you say. I was about to say Soleil or something. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so let's move on to our last part, and that's the recap. I mean, oh, not recap. Preview of the divisional round playoffs, where we have uh first start off with the Vikings and Four Niners as the first game on Saturday. Um. My team came around with the upset, man, against the Saints. So now they have to go on the road again against another great opponent. Uh, the what the best one of the best records in the NFL, the one seed. Um, the my my thing, well, my main thing about this is we talked about. It, we just said Robert Robert Saleh. How you say how you say his last name? <laughs> Robert Sala. <laughs> Robert Sala and Kevin Stefanski, uh, defensive coordinator versus offensive coordinator. Um, and then you got the opposite side. Kyle Shanahan versus Mike Zimmer. I think that as far as like they're they are so like the same team to me, it makes no sense. Like they both have great linebackers. Fred Warner, Alexander should be back. He should be activated Friday. He should be playing. Then you got Anthony Barr and Kittles on the other side. Um, yes, George Kittle's playing the best tight end, but let's not forget that Kyle Rudolph can catch anything. Uh, talk about the run game that both teams can do. Uh Kirk Cousins and Jimmy G to me are in the same tier as far as quarterbacks and in the field. Uh, both have great weapons on the outside, and even even the secondary. You know, Richard Sherman, All Pro, Harris Smith. Uh, you know, and Aunt Harris. You know, my breakout player of the year for the NFC North. He lead the leagues in interceptions. Like these teams are so are so evenly matched to me. is is wild, and you know the advantage that the 49ers have in this game is one being at home, of course, two having the extra rest, and then we t- we talked about it last week. What is up with this NFL scheduling? Because you put everybody on the AFC. On Saturday, NFC on Sunday. Now you're making the, the team that played on you Sunday. Just split, you just split it back up, like right? Just that's just <laughs> that's just crazy. So that's that, that's an extra advantage that the 49ers already get. So I don't know what 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 the NFL thought about you know thought about it or why they did that. But it's it, but it's, it's like to, to me that's to me that's it must be some kind of underground thing that we, that we not we not seeing. But um, those are those are the three advantages that that the 49ers does have with the Minnesota. Even though these teams are very evenly matched, but having to buy being at home. And Minnesota not having a full week of preparation, those are the advantages that Fort Niners, you know, coming, you know, coming away with, and that's why they are favored by the touchdown. Yeah, I wish they would just kept it the same with the wild card. If you're gonna go all AFC one day, all NFC one day, just do the same thing. It's the same amount of games. Go all AFC one day, go all NFC right. the next day. But should be a good game. Um, I know I need. Your advice, they're going to need another software malfunction, man. <laughs> hey. you, had, you had Drew Brees have <laughs> his machine started conking out on him, so you got to see the 49ers break down. But uh, I think it's going to be a closer game than expected. It wouldn't surprise me if the Vikings were to be in it to the very, very end just because the teams are built so similar. They're going to run the ball at Cook. Dealing the digs, their list that's questionable, but they both will definitely play. And like you said, the advantage for us have is they're going to be at home, that time zone, that's going to be a difference, and you're already missing that extra day. So that's going to be a big factor. And then I just think on picking for us to win, to me the biggest factor is you gave Kyle Shanahan basically two weeks to scout his opponent, and he should have some stuff in the playbook to call and get some points on the board. And, you know, you know what thing I thought, I was like, man, what, what, way, what way would it be for, like, uh, the the Vikings for because they 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 the first was tasked with stopping Michael Thomas. So your gift was that Minnesota needed a malfunction to put in everybody's software because they had to go on the road three straight times. New Orleans 49ers and Packers slash Seattle. And I said I said that 
that Minnesota needed needed some what it was that little uh, tape tape that they put on on the roads because the roads were wide open. It, they used to be closed, but you know the the the, sec- the secondary has been struggling on the outside, and they played a great game against Michael Thomas and Kamara. So can Mike? My, my, you know the thing I want to look for is can Mike Zimmer do it again? Can can he stop George Kittle this time and the run game and worry about Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel going deep? Because we we seen even Taysom Hill was lucky on not lucky but I mean the pick would have got picked off if Xavier Rose could move his legs but um, you know Taysom Hill threw that deep ball to I think it was uh, the kick returner for the Saints but if they can if they it's it's, it's crazy because I watched the game that they played last season I actually was at that game live uh, Kirk Cousins first game one the, the the only differences I saw was they didn't run the ball with Cook that wasn't their identity that was DeFilippo. Um, who came from the Eagles now to Jacksonville offensive coordinator. So they all they did was throw the ball all day long. So that's going to be one difference. Um, and then also the 49ers didn't have the weapons outside of Kittle. Kittle had a great game. And you saw the the play action pass, the play action passes that that Vikings, you know, I won't say fell for it, but you know Kyle Shanahan loves to run the ball. And Kittle was wide open on most of his, his catches. So we'll see if they, they put more attention on him. Um, but then again, what Jimmy G didn't have was the the Sanders and the D, and the uh, Debo Samuel, so that's going to be two differences. Cook going to be more more the game plan, and Jim, uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to have the two weapons. So I, I want to ask you this: um, who 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 you think has to be the better quarterback for the other team for the, for their team to win? It has to be. It's going to be Kirk Cousins. He has to be. Why you say that? I mean, their offense revolves around the RPO. So you know, when you know when he rolls out, he needs to either have Cook going crazy, catching pass out of the backfield. You got to still have the threat of Diggs going deep, feeling and underneath. Like with Jimmy G, like he's won games where he just throw the ball like just a couple times, or you know, most of all these guys. Well, they go, they can run trick plays with Sanders throwing the ball down to somebody else. So they have more ways to get quicker points than. The Vikings, because the Cousins is not. If you don't have a balanced attack, they're they're gonna lose. But at least with four nine, if they can run some trick plays and get some bombs down the field, some other type of ways. Now, I I think Kirk Cousins is the better quarterback um, from an accuracy standpoint and the arm standpoint. And this season, most of most of the four nine explosive plays that that you're talking about, it comes for when the when the ball is actually in their hands, like you know. Uh, Kittle for five yard pass and then he take it for forty yards or j- just like just like in the um against the Saints you know when they had that fourth and two uh, uh what uh, in route to to Kittle and he took it for what, 25, 30 yards down the field um same way for most of all their plays and for Kirk big plays they're you know they're big shots to Diggs and I think I think I think they all have to be on the A game and that's from the college the offensive and defensive minded college because. The, the Saints said, okay, we're going to put two high safeties out there and we're not going to let you beat us deep with Diggs and Thielen. You have to run the ball. And that's what Minnesota want to do is run the ball. And if you can't stop it, then you're going to be in, long, in for a long day. And vice versa, if you can't, if you can't stop Kittle and you can't stop the run game, you're going, to have, you're, going to be, you're going to be getting gashed on these long passes from Sanders and, 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 and Samuel. So, I, like I say, it's, it really so evenly matched and – it's really it's really hard to decide like who really has an advantage and where is it as far as like on the field, um, and maybe you know even even the kicking battle is gonna be good like Dan Bailey has been has been impressive and, and so has Robbie Gold so you know who go, you know who misses a kick just like Will Lutz missed a kick against the Saints if, if that that could be the cha- the game changer or or even in the 49ers game last year versus the Vikings Jimmy G threw a pick six. Uh, off a of blitz, and and so far this season he is, I think his QBR like forty five, which is below average for a quarterback. Uh, when, when he's blitzed, and he threw a pick right there. I think Fortnite had it on the goal line, and they fumbled. Uh, Cook had like a thirty yard run, and end up at the end of the run he fumbled. So it's kind of like it, what what's going to be the game changing plays that that happens. So we'll we'll see when when that game comes forward. I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a really good game. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. I'm gonna try to watch every snap of that. Um, going to the uh, Titans at the Ravens. That's the last Saturday game. Um, man, you talk about a game. I, I think this. I think this game gonna be good as well. I think Tennessee coming off that game. Uh, it may. It may be the same as far as Tennessee on offense, where 
the Ravens has the corners to combat the receivers, kind of like how Gilmore and McCourty were. You got Peters, Humphrey, and Jimmy Smith, and Earl Thomas in the back. Um, can't, but can't, and the, I guess the, the, real, the real question is, can they stop Derrick Henry? And on the other side, uh, with the Ravens, with, if, if Mark Ingram is not 100%, if he's constantly in and out of the game, when he's off the field, the Ravens' offense is worse as a whole. So I, I wonder how much he plays on that calf, and if he can't be effective, then then I I, I like Tennessee chances. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick them to win the game, but I do like their chances. Well, I am picking Tennessee to win a game just because I think if you can get Derrick Henry to have just one more of these games, <laughs> <laughs> because what you want to do is you want like I, I said, the Ravens need elite to win games. You don't want them to have the lead because then that's when their secondary and their defense can just bullish everything you're doing. Follow the same game plan you had against New England. Run the ball. Eat the clock up. Just put up some points. Because, like you said, if England's banged up, that's less touches for him. I know they have Gus. And at some point, you know, Lamar, he don't want to run it every time. I mean, he'll do it to win the game. But you don't want him to do that because he's risking injury or risking the fumble, whatever. So I think Tennessee, if they follow the same game plan they did against New England, just run the ball. Don't ask Tennessee to do too much. 20, 25 throws at the most. Like, if you can get 20, 25 throws and 25, 30 carries for Derrick Henry and you control the time possession, that's a game you should be able to win. And I think they can do it. Um, you know, the, the Ravens, they've been off for a couple weeks now to start it, so they may take up the first half. They kind of get back in game speed. I'm not sure what their practice look like, but the starters haven't played in um, it'll be Two weeks. almost the third. Yeah, so basically on that third week. So they have to get back in shape, man, get back in game shape, find some rhythm, find some timing. And the Titans have an underrated defense, so if they can – you know, you know, set the edges, keep the running game inside, make Lamar throw more than he wants to. Maybe the timing is off with Mark Andrews. Maybe the timing is off with um, Hollywood Brown. If Tennessee can get them themselves a lead, a, a 10-0 or 13-0, that doesn't sound like a lot because there's two field goals and you need touchdowns. But if they can get a, you know, a 13-0 lead or something like that or 13-3, they'll be in business. Yeah, I, I'm one thing I want to know is like. How how great can Lamar be? Because the last time he played in the playoffs, he you know he he was he wasn't great. It took him what the last third the end of the third quarter and the fourth to to actually put a good game together. So um, I don't think the Baltimore Ravens played Tennessee yet, and you know you know that's you know that's the uh, the old the old um, thing about Lamar Jackson when you, when you play him for the first time, you lose, and you know so we'll see. I, I'm, I'm with you, though. I, I think that that's why I had all the, the road teams winning last year. I mean, last year. Last week was because both five and both six seeds, um, to me, were dangerous because they really could have won their division, all, all all four of them. And, they you know, instead of being a wild card, they could have been a one or two seed playing at home. You know, with the Vikings losing to Green Bay, uh, Seattle losing to the 49ers last week, Bills losing to the Patriots. And then the uh, and the tech and the Titans lost the first the first time to the Texans. So the, these the games could have been flipped in in those two weeks. So that's why I thought these teams are dangerous. And I, I remember on, on my on the Christmas episode, I told you I said if we can give the Titans the birth to the playoffs, anything can happen. And you saying that they can win this game too. So like beating the Patriots, beating the Ravens, like all the confidence got to be on Tennessee side to to actually go to the Super Bowl if they do that. Yeah, I just think. Tannehill has to channel his, I hate to say this, his inner Joe Flacco. He was in the, he's in the contract year. You got to just kind of play out of your mind and don't screw up when they need you. But to be safe, run the ball, Derrick Henry, 25 to 30 carries. Tannehill, 20 to 25 throws. Control the time of possession. I wouldn't mind seeing Deion Lewis get some more burns this game, like some quick dump balls, let him run. Get some some short yardage plays on like some screens and stuff like that because screen is so dangerous. Yes. And and DMPs, um, it's just like, I mean, I don't think it counts for much now. It's so long ago, but he at least he was the Ravens coordinator, defensive coordinator when they played the Four Nines in the Super Bowl and went up against Kaepernick. So 
he has some familiarity with going against uh, Greg Roman led offense. So hey, I don't, that's I don't a good point right there. Great point. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it counts for much, but I just feel like we should throw it out there. No, you're right because he he already is the same guy, Greg Roman. So. I think I think I think that's a brilliant point as far as because he did win that game, so uh, <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. I I like I, I like Tennessee, and I said I said to my sportscaster the same thing with Jimmy G and and Kirk Tannehill's in the same boat. This is the perfect opportunity for you to for you in the, um for a lifetime to get that Joe Flacco award when you had that one great season and you win the Super Bowl. So let's we'll see. Uh, on the Sunday games. Texans at the Chiefs. Uh, Texans comeback win over the Buffalo Bills, nineteen to sixteen. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, twenty-two to nineteen in overtime. And I'm gonna tell you this: Texans cannot start off slow because this is not the Buffalo Bills. This is an offense that will put up twenty-eight points on you in a heartbeat. And Texans, if you start off slow, if you want to, you ain't coming back this time because I, I think they played early in the season and the Chiefs were up, were up pretty big and Texas came back. I don't think you can do that twice in the same building. Yeah, this time around, Deshaun Watson, he has to get going early. Like, I hope we are full of play because you need that downfield threat. And kind of along the same lines as what I said about Tennessee, just run the daggone ball. Like, control the time position. Mahomes can't beat you if he's on the sideline. When he gets on the field, he can hit you in two plays and get you touchdown. <laughs> but at least keep him on the sideline as much as possible. And so when he does get out there, maybe there is bad timing or he's, you know, he's standing on the sideline, he's cold, his arms not warmed up again. So now he's inaccurate with some throws and, oh, three and out. Oh, you got a sack. It's like if, you're, if your defense is rested and he's on the sideline cold, I'd rather take my defense rested than a warmed up home. So at some point, keep putting your defense out there. He's gonna he's gonna get some some points. So he's gonna start tossing down the field, Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, and get going. So I'm not. I need to look at the weather report and see how it's gonna look. But Deshaun Watson got to get going early. Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, Deshaun Watson better bring his legs. Like y'all got to run the ball some type of way to keep them on the sideline. Yeah, my my only point to the Chiefs and why I'm picking them to win this game. So our episode a long time ago, we talked about you know our where the playoffs start right now, and we I think halfway through the season, we talked about it. And the Chiefs, we was remember how down we were on the Chiefs, and we talked we talked about how they they lost to the Texans, and they had Green Bay and Minnesota coming in their house without Pat Mahomes, and we were saying okay, well this team even with Mahomes healthy, two things they couldn't do, and that was stop the run. And run the ball. And you, you mentioned how the Texans didn't run the ball. Well, look at the Chiefs the last three games. So, as a defense, they only allowed nine points in three games. Or nine points total per game in three games. They also only only uh, allowed 87 yards per game in those three games. Uh, for You know, as a, as a run defense. And rush, running the ball in the last three games, over 120 yards. So, we, we're talking about the two things that they had an issue with. That you know over the you know very small sample size, but they seem to have cleaned up. And if this defense can be top fifteen, because last year they was bottom, be a top fifteen defense. This team, Mahomes is good enough to take it to the Super Bowl and win it. So um, I'm picking the Chiefs to win this game because this defense it might be. I'm I'm not gonna say for real because I don't think it's on the level of the 49ers. We're talking about the Ravens, Vikings, or even the Titans. But if it can be that top half, this team definitely can go far. Yeah, since the bye week, man, the defense has been going crazy. I think they won. I think they've won. I think six in a row. But since the bye week, uh, five in a row, and they played great in all five. And that was against the Raiders, who were hot at the time, Patriots, Broncos, Bears, fight for their playoff lives, and they beat the Chargers again. So the last few weeks, man, they they turned it up. So I'm picking the win as well, just because. It's just too many questions. Will the Texans start off slow? Will they run the ball effectively? Andy Reid's had time to prepare, so he knows. And then they lost the last time, so they're not going to try to lose again. So they're going to try to scheme, you know, scheme their way to a victory. And I think he can definitely pull it out. I think Mahomes, if he's not on the sideline, he couldn't go crazy this game. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a good game because if the Texans start slow and get behind, it's, it's going to be a snooze fest. Right. 
I had, I had Chiefs in my AFC Championship game before the season started. Uh, unfortunately, I had the Steelers going. That was with Big Ben at quarterback, so I definitely jumped off that bandwagon uh, once he went down. But um, the Chiefs, the Chiefs have been have really been my team the whole time to to get to the you know, get to the, get to the Super Bowl be, just because of uh, I had Pittsburgh there. But I really want to see them stop the run and run the ball, and they finally did it. So now I feel more confident in you know in that decision. Uh, even though I do believe in Baltimore, I do believe in Tennessee. Like, and so I, I believe in those two teams. I don't believe in the Texans at all. But um, Tennessee and Baltimore have a good chance as well. But as of right now, I'm still rolling with Chiefs because I think Pat Mahomes is, is is just that good and Andy Reid as well. And then the final game of the of the divisional round: Seattle heads to Green Bay. Whoo! You talking about matchup versus matchup? Uh, Aaron Rodgers versus Russell Wilson. Um, I know, I know this ain't, I know the 2019 version, but the 2020 version of Beast Mode, but him versus Aaron Jones, uh, the super, superstar in the making, D, DK Metcalf versus Devontae Adams, and then you got in the pass rushing battle, Clowney getting to Aaron Rodgers, and then Zadarius Smith getting to Russell Wilson. I, I'm, you know, this game, this game to me, I think, I just think Seattle is is the worst team as far as t- because of all the injuries. So I feel like this game might be still the most boring, just like the Seattle Eagles were. But this, I don't think neither quarterback get hurt this time. But I don't, I really don't know what to expect from this game at all. Like I just think the Seattle injuries are probably too much to overcome this time because one Carson Wentz had nobody outside. Even Ertz was had a like lacerated kidney and a, and a broken rib. But Aaron Rodgers has two guys that's that are special: Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and. I think that might just be enough. It's going to be a pretty good game, at least for the first half, just because Pete Carroll, he's going to dial in. Russ has been keeping Seattle competitive all year. You know, they've won some games I thought they wouldn't win. You know, so just by having Russ and Pete alone is going to keep them close. But I want to see what Green Bay does. Do they lean on Rodgers more? They want him to throw it 40 times, or do they want to, back to my thing, split it up. Aaron Jones, run the ball. Jamal Williams, run the ball. You know, you get those guys about 30, 33 carries and let Rodgers dial his throws back, and it, it can be easy pickings. Plus, they're at home. I think the last eight or nine times these teams have played each other, the home team has always won it. So I'm taking Green Bay to win the game. But just because Russ is Russ, Pete Carroll is who he is, I think for a while they can't keep it close, but ultimately Green Bay should pull away. I think I think that sentence you just said is why, even though he sh- even though Lamar Jackson probably should be unanimously MVP, me and you unanimous. both unanimous, 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 <laughs> unanimous, just because just because how how they how Russell Wilson really fell off the last few few weeks. But that sentence you said about she said Russ being Russ, or you know, is because is that Russell bust mentality. That's why he. That's why he will get votes. Remember, remember we looked at the 07 when Brady had this crazy year and he and he still didn't win. Other guys got votes, and then the year or the year Peyton Manning went crazy. I think he didn't get get it either. So it's kind of like man, all these record breaking, all these record breaking uh, stats for this quarterback, you know, and still somebody else find a way to get a vote. If Russell Wilson can win this game, like I think it's kind of bad that. Well, I, I don't know. I wonder how to do MVP re- voting because let's say let's say for example Lamar Jackson loses this game, and Russell Wilson carries his team to the championship game, maybe to the Super Bowl. But I think the MVP comes out before the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, do they, do they change their votes because Lamar Jackson goes home early, or do they you know do or do they just keep it by the season stats because that's what that's what should matter. Well, there's only been one unanimous MVP that was Tom Brady in 2010. So. It doesn't matter who has a record-setting year. No one outside of Brady 2010 has ever gotten unanimous MVP. So Lamar won't get it this year either because let's look at, he, look at the all pro. He won't, I but mean, he won't, but he should. I don't think so. Like Russ, Lamar is the most impressive player this year. He ain't the most valuable. You got, <laughs> and you got arguably the executive for the year. They went and made a trade for Peters brought in Earl Thomas this offseason. They drafted all these guys to come in. They brought in Mark Ingram. They brought in all these guys to build this team around you. 
you are not the MVP with the executive of the year. Grant Roman's probably the uh, assistant coach of the year. You got debatably the head coach of the year in John Harbaugh, and you're playing with 11 pro bowlers. You are not the MVP. You're the most impressive player, but you're not the most valuable player. I think most valuable goes to Russ. If Russ got injured week two or three, they'll be two and, two and what, two and 14, three, three and 13? If they didn't win the first two games and Russell there, 0 and 16? <laughs> like, yeah, man. So it's like, to me, Russ is the most valuable. Doesn't turn the ball over, very efficient. I mean, DK Metcalf came on slowly. Now he's turning to an emerging superstar. He still got Lockett. I mean, they've dealt with injuries on both sides of the ball. You know, guys getting nicked up, banged up here and there. They still kept chugging along. He doesn't even have an RB now. They're playing with the practice squad guys that bring in Marshawn Lynch. To me, when it comes to value, it's Russ or at least throw in Wentz because everything he was dealt with and still made the playoffs. To a certain degree, Tannehill, the rescue, the tight seats. Like, to me, that's valuable. When you're elevating a team, that's what valuable is. Impressive, that's a whole different story. Like, Lamar, rushing record, all the touchdowns, all that kind of stuff, 9% touchdown rate. Most impressive player, but not most valuable player. But forget the tangent. Green Bay going to win the game. <laughs> that's my preseason Super Bowl champion. I hope they get there. Uh, that'll be good for Aaron Rodgers' legacy. I want to see my surprise team, the 49ers, play them, even though that's a tough matchup for Green Bay. They got slaughtered the first time. 49ers versus Green Bay in a rematch this year, I think it'll be a good game. Well, my Super Bowl team's still in that because I picked my own team. So <laughs> let's see if, let's see if I can put your surprise team out of here because I'm mad that my team, my surprise team didn't make it to the next round, even with a 16.0 lead, but that's that's beside the point. Um but, yeah, I think that Green Bay-Seattle game will be a good one, I think. All right, so if if Russell Wilson had – well, I guess I guess if the, if the game is tied, do you think the win, whoever had the ball last wins, or um, do you think you think Russell might – if Russell has it, he might come up short? Oh, if it's a, if it's a close game, like, we're just going to say it's 27-27, a minute, 19 seconds left, and Russ has the ball, Seattle's getting Green Bay up out of there because all you got to do is get his chicken field goal range. And they have a good kicker, so you get him in range, he'll nail it. So Russ will lead to a victory if it's a tie game and he gets the ball last. Now they need a touchdown. Uh, I wouldn't say a, a touchdown, but they if they because Green Bay's pass rush has been pretty good. But if they need us to get in field goal range, I think if it's the tie game, Russ can do it. All right, we got three two minutes left. Um, Rashad, pick pick your pick your most confident pick of the week out of these four games. Oh, Green Bay over Seattle, and I'm gonna roll with Chiefs over Texans. Um, so yeah, we we got we got we we got. I think those two. I think the Sunday games are the most are the the ones that we know is gonna happen. I think the other two good Saturday games are pretty as far as on paper evenly matched. Even though the Ravens and 49ers had the advantage because of the bot. so uh, and they are the one seed. So we'll, we'll see. But I think it'll be a great another great divisional uh, round. I think the wild card lived up to the hype, and I definitely want to see the division live up to the hype as well. Bro, I'm gonna tell you right now, if Minnesota goes and beats the 49ers, everybody better start booking their tickets right now because there's no way. I love Green Bay, that's my pick, but it's hard to beat a team three daggone times in one season. So if Minnesota can get past the 49ers, they really already climbed a mountain at that point because the Green Bay games are gonna be close because that's your division opponent. Y'all are rivals. Y'all know each other in and out. So I was saying, and, and really the both the first two games really was, you know, could have gone either way. You know, you know, a couple of bad breaks for both teams uh, in both games. So it can go either way. Yeah, you're right about that. That three times because I think remember last time, uh, Randy Moss that year when he did the little uh, pull down and moon the crowd, the Packers had swept the Vikings in the season in the season and lost in the playoffs. So you you're right. It's it definitely is hard to win three times. I mean, it's it's, it's hard to. To beat a team twice in a year, like, like your division, it's hard to go through your division undefeated. So to potentially have to beat the Vikings three times, even though it would be at Lambeau, man, that, I won't put it past Aaron Rodgers, but that'll be a that'll be a tough task if it came down to. I mean, even going back to the 49ers where they got beat the first time, that'll be a tough task. But if Minnesota manages to knock off 49ers, they might be in Super Bowl because it's hard to be a team three times. Yeah, that you know, you know, I, I probably had a heart attack that happens, but 
Um, <laughs> hopefully I can win some on DraftKings. I did come away richer last week with, with DraftKings. So, um, that, you know, wildcard wild card was good for me. Hopefully the division is, is the same. Uh, that's all the time we have. Preach, care, preach with Rashad. Um, you, you can catch the podcast to come out with the same show tomorrow morning, Friday. So, um, Rashad, I'll see you then, man. Yes, sir. Yeah.